I did something a little bit different tonight. I gave you a copy right out of my Bible. I thought over the years, you know, as I read things, I, I make little marks here and there and I put down little notes and so forth. And so I thought this is a, uh, some good thoughts that I have garnered over the years and um, I have them on this one page. See, that's what you just got is exactly what I got in my Bible. It comes right out of Philippians chapter 4. So if you have your Bible, turn to the book of Philippians in chapter 4. Because I want to cover some things in the book of Philippians that deals with the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You know, as we live our Christian lives, we, we have all kinds of thoughts, imaginations, and they can run wild with us. We even have moments of grandeur where we think we're probably greater than we are. And uh, we want to be somebody. We want to be recognized. We want the limelight. We don't mind a little of that. Now, there are some people that say, no, 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 not me, not me. They're so shy. You have to pull them to get them to do anything. Then there's people who just do it naturally because it doesn't, uh, it's not that big of a problem for them. Whenever I first sung my first song in school, I murdered that song because I was so scared to get up in front of people and talk. And it's hard for people to believe that I used to be timid and shy. But I was scared to death of getting up in front and doing anything because I, I, I didn't have any talent and ability, so I couldn't do anything. And so that scared me. One day they uh, had a little uh, program that came to town. We had a thing called Kid Carnival. Kid Carnival, K-I-D-D, Carnival, K-A-R. So it, but it was good. It was in Wagley, Pennsylvania, and I was, uh, I don't know, I was young, but uh, my two sisters, they, they, they liked to sing, and so they're going to have a talent night, and they drug me into it because they needed a, no, they thought it looked better if it was a, a boy with the two girls. And so um, I had to stand between the two girls. But anyway, the only song we knew was You Are My Sunshine. Anybody know that song, You Are My Sunshine? Well, that's the first song that I ever learned how to play on the harmonica. And I did that when I got myself a little old dollar harmonica, and I was on the way to boot camp, and 17 years old. I just turned 17. And uh, so I was riding the train on my way to boot camp, and I got my little harmonica out, and I learned how to play You Are My Sunshine. But that was because it was the only song I knew. And so that song was going to sing it in a, you know, talent night. They had all kinds of people that got, oh, so much talent. And so the guy got up there and he introduced us. And uh, they talked about Eddie Arnold being a singer and all that, you know. And none of us was related to Eddie Arnold. And none of us could sing like Eddie Arnold. And nobody that I knew of knew Eddie Arnold. I didn't even know who he was at the time. So he gave us a build-up, and now we have to go and perform. Well, we was going to sing the song through three times, we thought. So we got up there and got ready to sing, and anyway, we got through the first verse, and then we was going to sing it through again, and then Nett, she just, she didn't sing. And I thought, well, if she ain't going to sing, I'm not going to sing. Well, Lizzie was on the other side of me, so she started singing, because she didn't know that I wasn't going to sing, because she didn't know that Nett wasn't going to sing. Anyway, she just went through, and, and me and Nett just looked at her. <laughs> it was all over with, and everybody clapped. Told what a wonderful job we did, just like, that's the way we prepared it. But it wasn't. And uh, humiliated, oh, I was humiliated. But it wasn't one of my best moments. But in life, 
you always want to do something big or, you know, something grand. And then there's times when you just want to be alone and nobody bother you. And you don't even care if anybody knows you're alive. So there's, there's times in our life where we fluctuate an awful lot. There's days that we, man, everything just seems to go our way. And then there's days it seems like nothing goes our way. But I was always under the impression you can endure anything for a short period of time. As long as it's a short period of time, I can go through anything. So the book of Philippians has an awful lot to do with your mind on how you think. And now Paul wrote this. It's called one of the prison epistles. But it's written to encourage people to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. But Paul, you just don't understand what I'm going through. You just don't understand and we find out, if you read about the Apostle Paul, yes, he did. And there's things about the Lord that he wants us to rejoice in. But there's things in this world that we have problems. I mean, grieve. We hurt. We cry. And, yes, sometimes even we worry. Now, you'll notice in your notes there, I have a wrote in there, uh, Lee Robertson. Well, Lee Robertson was the pastor of the Highland Park Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He was also the president of Tennessee Temple Schools. And in 1964, I dropped in on him. And I didn't have any money, didn't have a place to stay. And I, uh, I had left Betty and the kids in Georgia with their parents. I had about $15 total, maybe a little bit less than that by now. I had to buy gas to get up there. And so I said, I don't have a place to stay, but I'm thinking about coming to school. And I says, I would like to know if you have anything. He says, you can go to the rescue mission. So I went to the rescue mission and stayed there at the rescue mission for several months. And these are all the winos and drunks that come in off the street. Hello. That was all right because I, no, my daddy was an alcoholic. He was a drunk. He made moonshine. So, I mean, I just, I just fit right in. But now I didn't do what they did, but I understood why they acted like they did. I mean, when you see a guy just grab a, a telephone pole and say, I love you, <laughs> you know, you, they're out of it. But they'd have to stay at the meetings and so on. And so Dr. Lee Robertson, he preached a sermon one time. And the sermon he preached, I wrote it down in my Bible. And these were the notes that uh, he had. And uh, he told us to write this down. This will help you. And as uh, one of the students, I, I wrote it down. But look what he has here. He says, you can only think one thought at a time. And now I don't know about that. I just know that if he said it, it must be true. So I wrote it down. And I find out that a woman can think five or ten thoughts at a time. A man, maybe one at a time. But a woman can think of many things all at one time and talk on all different, with five or ten women all at the same time and carry on a whole conversation with everybody and never lose track of where they are. I can't do that. I'm driving down the road and I'm listening to the news and Betty wants to say something, I have to mute it. Because I cannot concentrate if something else is going on at the same time. This is why even sometimes we'll go out to fellowship. We're sitting here talking and so forth, and somebody asked me a question. If somebody else is talking, forget it, Charlie. I either got to look forward, try to read their lips if I can, because I don't hear good on top of it. So it really cuts my fellowship in half whenever I can't hear right, and then I can't follow all the conversation. And you got women over here talking, you got women over here talking, you got women over here talking, and the men just sitting there looking at each other. <laughs> and all the women are talking. <laughs> you watch it next time we go out. Connie, you watch this, okay? And... That son sitting right beside you, he just sat there. Just, just like me, quiet. 
Okay, so there's always one that really messes it all up. Always one. But look at this. He said, number one, power of the mind. Power of the mind to guard the mind. Look in chapter 4 and verse 7. Look at his notes. And why he said this. Look, you can learn a lot of things from a lot of different people. They can help you to know how to think. And he says in verse 7, And the peace of God which passes all understanding, that means human understanding, shall keep or guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So the word keep, I wrote down the word keep, and I wrote down guard, to protect your mind, learning how to think. And there is the power of the mind. Because if you can't think right, you can't reason right, and you can't live right, because all decisions are actions of the mind. So their actions are born within the thoughts of the mind. So that's why that's so important. Look at uh, the next statement. When you are defeated, when should you guard your mind? When you're defeated and when you're successful. Did you know there is a danger that you can get proud and lifted up if you're successful? And you can do just the opposite if you get a little discouraged and you want to think, quit. And it's not worth it. So a defeated mind is bad. But if you get too successful in your mind... And you think too big of yourself, you should be surprised how that pride cometh before what? Before a fall. And so there's always that danger. Just try to stay, you know, level-headed. Well, you don't get overexcited and underexcited. You just stay the same. So you don't fluctuate too much. And it'll keep you from uh, overreacting to things. Because in life, there are things that will cause you great excitement. And there's things that will cause you great discouragement. Depression, despair. So you try not to overreact one way or the other. And that's only to guard and protect your mind. Satan works on your mind. So remember that. Number two, power of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. You shall be witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the other most parts of the earth. And that's what God wants us to do. So right down beside that, when does he want to start controlling you. When do you think? Well, let me ask you this first. When do you receive the Holy Spirit? When you trust the Lord, right? When do you think the Holy Spirit wants to start controlling your life? Right then. And so the key thing is, is how does the Holy Spirit control your life? He teaches you the Word of God. So as you learn the Word of God, the Holy Spirit brings things to your remembrance and He leads and guides you according to the truth of the Word of God. He never leads you to be unholy because He is the Holy Spirit. He never leads you to do something you shouldn't do. But if it leads you and you're doing it in sin, guess what? The Holy Spirit didn't lead you. You can think that, but that's not true. There is an error in your thinking. Number three there, the power of a great purpose. Did you know that just having a great purpose in life Gives you energy, it gives you strength, it gives you joy. Having something to live for. Do you know what I've heard? I've only heard about this. I'm not saying it's true. That a lot of people can't wait until they retire. Then they retire and die. And most of them don't live very long because they don't have anything to get up for. They don't have any reason. They don't, they don't have a purpose. There's no goal there. It's that keeping going and never stopping, always getting up and always going, having something to live for. There is a great purpose. Somebody asked me the other day, he says, when are you going to retire? Well, as long as I can talk, I'm not sure why I should. 
And right now, it seems like my vocal cords are in pretty good shape. So I might be good for another six months. Who knows? But I am planning my 100th birthday already. I got several people planning on coming. And uh, James Hayslip said that he was coming. And uh, he's a couple months older than me. And I didn't know this, but um, Mary, she's a couple months older than I am. She's just celebrated another birthday. And uh, she's planning on coming to my birthday, so that'll be that. Just think how old Al will be by that time. He, what did he say? Inconceivable. <laughs> One person told me, he says, Yankee, he's so old, he remembers when the Dead Sea was sick. <laughs> Warren, that wasn't funny. I didn't think it was very funny. He remembers when the Dead Sea was sick. Oh, well, that's, that's, I guess that's pretty good. But um, look in Philippians in chapter 3, in verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, we'll look at that again in just a moment. Now, another statement I have done here, because I heard another preacher preach a sermon, and as I was listening, I uh, I'm always looking for a place where I can write a note. Well, there, there's an empty place in my Bible there on that page. So I might write down a note there. But this was, I thought, very good. I died, one died for sin, one died in sin, and one died to sin. What is that a reference to? What is that referring to? There was three people on three crosses, right? Three people on three crosses. One died for sin, one died in sin, and one died to sin. So I like that, and I wrote it down. When you hear me say something really good, you ought to write down a note if you ever hear me say anything good. <laughs> Feel free to write it down anywhere. You will do that, won't you? Have you ever done it yet? No, I forget it. We were just moving right along. Look at the next statement. I want you to look there, and this is a very important verse. Look in Hebrews chapter 4. Now, keep your place there in uh, Philippians, so come back, but in the book of Hebrews and chapter 4. Because you need to know and understand the, the power that's in the Word of God itself and why God wants us to read and study the Word of God. Because, you know, sometimes people will say things to you and you don't, well, who do you think you are to tell me anything? So we don't like to listen to certain people because we know they're not the authority. But you need to have an authority. And so the, the authority for you and I is the Word of God. So if you'll read and study the Word of God, you'll find out the Word of God will tell you about your thought life. It will reveal things to you that you didn't think of. It will also tell you the intent of your heart, your motive, why you do what you do. So look there in verse 12. He says in verse 12, For the Word of God is quick. That means it's alive and powerful. And sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul, spirit, and the body, of the joints and the marrow. And get this, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. If you want to be able to discern your thought life, whether it's right or whether it's wrong, and you think about things all the time, whether it's good or bad, whether you should or you shouldn't. You're always trying to seek wisdom. So the discerning of these things are so important. Look what he says here in verse 14 of chapter 5. Right there in Hebrews. 
He says in verse uh, 14, But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, mature. Even those who by, and you understand, reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So you study the word of God so that you can discern what is right and what is wrong. And then you'll be able to discern your own thoughts, whether they're right or whether they're wrong. You're always seeking for leadership, something to guide you, something to tell, well, I should do this or shouldn't I do that or whatever. And so you're always wanting to know what is the will of God. You can't know the will of God without knowing the word of God. So that's why you have to study that. Now, go back there to verse 12, verse 12 of chapter 4. The last part of verse 12 says, And is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. Now get this. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. In other words, believe this. God sees everything. God can see the soul and God can see the spirit. He sees through the joints and the marrow of the body. God knows everything. He knows the intent. He knows what your discernment is at this point, what it can be with the study of their application of the Word of God. So you and I have been blessed to live in a country where we can have a copy of the Scriptures and we can read it and study it. Now, go back to the book of Philippians. Back to the book of Philippians. Because when you think about the thoughts and the intents of the heart, you'd be surprised how much is loaded just in this little old book of Philippians. Now, I got ten things wrote down here, and whether or not we'll finish them all, I do not know. But number one, if you look at that, this is to reach your, your spiritual goal, your spiritual health. Number one, quality of life determined by the quality of thoughts. In other words, if you want to raise the caliber of your life, Raise the caliber of your thoughts because your life will be on the same direct ratio of the caliber of your thoughts. You think trash, you'll live trash. You always think immoral, you'll live immoral. You think pure, you want to live pure. And this is why in the book of Philippians, it will help you to see this and understand this. So in Philippians chapter 4, look in verse 8 and 9. Those scriptures are right there. And it tells you how to think. In verse 8, finally, brethren... Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, what's that next big word? Think. That's a big word. Think. Think on these things. Things that are like this. You think about that, and you'll raise the caliber of your life, because as a man thinketh, so is he. You will live your life... Direct ratio to the caliber of your thoughts. And if you think the wrong way, you're going to live the wrong way. You want to live the right way, you're going to have to think the right way. So isn't it nice that God puts it in the Bible so simple, so easy to understand? And so look there in verse 9. Verse 9 says, those things, those things, which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. Isn't that a big word? D-O, do. What? What you've seen him do. In other words, keep your eyes open as you come to church. You get involved. Study the life of the person that you look up to. And you believe that person is a spiritual person, a godly person. 
And if I need some help, some counseling, I feel like I can go to that person. And they won't necessarily tell me what I want to hear. They'll tell me what I should hear. They won't tell me what I want to do. They'll tell me what I should do. And then I can make my choice. But you always need to have some good counselors, people that you can trust and go to and seek for some wisdom in these matters. Now, look at number two, goal in life. I used to tell them, I said, have goal, will travel. You ever heard that statement? Have gun, will travel? Who was that? Paladin, look at y'all. <laughs> and so um, mine is have goal, will travel. You've got to have a purpose. Without a vision, the person perishes. You've got to have a vision, a reason for living. And so there's three little things that are under this because it's so important here in the book of Philippians in chapter 3 especially, where it has you seek power, seek purpose, seek prize. Now, look there in verse 10. The apostle Paul is talking about that I might know him and the power, the power. You see, Paul needed a power in him greater than the power or the lust or the love of this world. Something greater. And that's why he said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection because he wanted to live a resurrected life. When he talks about it in the book of Romans in chapter 6, that when we're baptized with him, raised to walk in newness of life. That takes a Holy Spirit power. That you want to do what God's word says. So the Holy Spirit that lives within you is to teach you the word of God so that you'll know the will of God. And now he wanted this. And then he had to have the power of a purpose. And that's why he says, I have this desire to be conformed unto Christ. To be like Christ. Did you know that the reason that God wanted to have so many people trust in the Savior is because, see, God only had one son. And he was so in love with his son, he wanted some more. And that's why you and I are becoming the sons of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So we are one day going to be just like his son. Now, that's in the book of Romans in chapter 8, but that's another message down the road. But now notice, when he talks about the purpose here in verse 12, not as though I had already attained. In other words, you and I have not yet reached that limit, that state of maturity where we can't grow anymore. We can always keep listening and learning and growing in the Lord. And so he says, either we're already perfect or mature, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ. In other words, I want to get what God got a hold of me for. What did God get a hold of me for? Because God wants me to do something. Well, I want to apprehend that which he apprehended me. So therefore, we have a purpose and a goal in life. Seek the will of God. Seek because of the power of God and seek because of the program that God has, the purpose that God has. And then we have the word press. The press. You see there in verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. You got something that you're reaching for. And so every one of us should remember that and keep pressing on. Now, I have in the next statement there, number three, plan for success. Because you don't want to plan for failure. I have this little statement. I, I didn't originate it. I don't remember where I got it from. You plan your work and you work your plan. You work your plan as long as your plan will work. When your plan don't work, you change your plan. Don't that make sense? Tell me what I said, Dan. You want me to repeat it again? 
See, you plan your work, and you work your plan, you work your plan as long as your plan will work. When your plan don't work, you change your plan. But you got to have a plan. And so this is why, you know, you study the Word of God, and you have a vision, and then you work on accomplishing something. Uh, Jesse has a plan for the teenagers and for campus. Uh, Peter has a plan for the people that uh, sing in the choir and all the special. He has to have a plan. And then you have to work toward that plan. You've got to figure out the songs and who's going to do the music and how this is going to work. You've got to have a purpose or you just whirl on the fly. <laughs> no, you've got to. Otherwise, everything will become chaos. So you work at things and you plan things. Now, under that number three, you'll notice there's Philippians 3.14 when he says press. In verse 7, he makes this statement. Excuse me, just look there in verse 16. What you see this? In verse uh, 15, uh, he's talking about pressing in verse 14. And that's running. And in verse 15, let us therefore as many as be mature, be thus minded. And if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. In other words, if you're willing to do what you can with what you have and study the word of God, live according to what you do know. Because what you don't know, you don't know. But as you have attained certain knowledge, live according to that knowledge and learn some more. And what you don't know, because you're applying what you do know, God will teach you some more. Don't that make sense? And then he says in verse 16, Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk. Walk according to what you have attained to. But you're always striving for more. And this is why he says, I have not yet apprehended all of it, because I'm not through with life yet. God has some more for me to do. Just because I can say, well, I'm 75 years old, and in other words, I done paid my dues. I don't have to do anything anymore. No, 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 no. I'm not through with life yet. God's not through with me yet. So as long as I can, I should always keep striving, keep pressing. So I should run, and then there's times when I should, I should walk. And then, as he says here in chapter 4, look in verse 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. So that's where you stand. So whether you stand in a certain spot, whether you're walking or whether you're running, you're with the Lord and you've got a reason for living. And I just think it's neat how all this is just always broke down in the scriptures like this. But remember, there's also two things that Paul brings out in this. And he brings out this thing about gain and loss. Gain and loss. 